0: Couch Potato Radio. This is Kevin Kennedy. Uh, the home run porch is taking over tonight. Derek hansen is off tonight. Asked if we'd step in, and we said we gladly would. It would have been a much happier time <laughs> if we were three and zero against the Dodgers. Um, pr-
1: I think we are. I'm in our hearts and yeah. minds, we are. <laughs>
0: we are. <laughs> Madison was arguing a little bit earlier. He goes, "We're three and zero against them. We won those three games." <laughs> talk about denial. So uh, let's talk about back. those guys. Home run porch. Yes. here.
1: Will Thompson. Kevin Kennedy, Madison Quinn. Uh yeah, let's let's just jump into uh the the crappiness that was the Dodgers series. Let's start with the first game. Twins lose nine to eight. Nine to eight I got yeah. home. I got to bed at about two AM. I don't know <laughs> about you guys. I was
0: working the, the studio that I was working the game that night here at the studio, and one of the things that I do after the game's over, it takes a little while. I put up the promo for the next day and the twins rap that Corey Provost puts out. Uh huh. And I leave at 2, and it was a minute to 2 when those things came through. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty late. So, But it, and it was, that was the infamous Bally game that wasn't on Bally that Madison was able to imagine. <laughs> I may magi- have
1: sent him a password yeah. for one of my streaming, just so, just so he could watch it. You're so welcome, by the way. I,
0: thank you very much, because I watched it on my phone while I was listening to the radio call, and I was uh, telling you guys that what I saw was the, um, the horrible—
1: Uh, Let's, let's start with how the game went. You know, it was a pretty crappy game until the late innings.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
2: Uh, The team came back though. And I want to highlight that more so than the crappiness in the beginning. Um, Because one thing we haven't seen a lot of from the twins this year is an ability to score late in games and come back. You know, they've done a lot of scoring early on and then they just go to bed and there's no more offense. So it, it was disappointing to see them struggle so much early in the game, but they to come back and to ultimately yeah. score was it eight runs? Finally, was it eight to, yep. eight it to was nine, nine eight? eight was nine nine to eight, yep. yeah, okay, yep. yeah. And Twelve. So I, that's encouraging to me, and, and especially with uh, you know Larnie hitting a three run home run to tie it up yeah. there late in the game, yeah, because um, that, that was what the sixth or seventh inning, something seventh like inning, that. Yep. yeah, seventh inning, yeah,
0: yeah. hits a three run homer and ties it up, and it was a whole new ball game at that point.
2: It was, and it was a ball game that we should have won at that point because and I'm not saying that is like oh we should have won that game. Legitimately we should have won that game. Yeah. That foul ball that they called fair that was an RBI double
0: was clearly a foul ball.
1: Yeah. Let's say it. It wasn't the ball wasn't fair at all. It never was fair.
0: <laughs> yeah. And right? reviewable because it's in front of the umpire which is the weirdest ruling. And I get it they they don't want people reviewing balls and strikes, so that falls into that category. But boy, I tell you, that was just.
1: Brutal. I mean, if. Right. It falls underneath the, a judgment call, which is, you know, the last string that the umpires are hanging onto because they're human beings. Mm-hmm. They're making a judgment. Now, is that judgment crappy sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, it happens. They're humans. But let's be honest, we're able to challenge a lot of things now. Why can't we chall- we challenge their judgment on it. on on first base calls? Right. Safe calls? Yeah. If you're going to challenge their judgment on those calls, everything should be open for interpretation.
0: I would agree. I don't, I don't know. You know it's interesting. You, you know how they've changed the rules in pro sports that they no longer uh, the person runs out on the field, they no longer show that person on the live feed of TV and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know and I get it. It's like then then the person doesn't get the attention that they want. But we're so inundated with video that then we're mad when when the when the ump made the wrong call. I'm sure the percentage of wrong calls back in 1950 were exactly the same, but now we're hypercritical of that stuff because we can we can see it, right? You know. But and part of me says, well, maybe they shouldn't re, re put that on the monitor because then all it's going to do is make me mad. You know, I don't, don't they have rules in the at the stadiums where they don't put certain calls up there because they don't want the the fans to lose their minds? Um generally they don't do replays uh
2: that could that are in favor of the home team. Okay. Um or, or like so like if the Twins are at home and there's a an out call at first on a on a ground ball play and it's it's bang bang. Mm-hmm. Generally they will not show that until after the final call is made. Yeah. Um cuz they don't want people to be like really really rude to the ums and give them those booze you know
1: and here's the thing Rocco was pretty calm after that you know there was there wasn't much after that ball was hit there I mean there wasn't much time to get mad or anything after that because it was a live ball it was a double Mm -hmm. and um but the thing is like we're getting people texting in now it was poor judgment someone says terrible um and it's like you'd like Rocco to make a little bit of a stink but then again you know He's definitely getting tossed mm-hmm. if he if he makes us think about that. Um also this goes right into a conversation about is it time for robot umps? They're at the they're they're at the door knocking. Is it a time to really
0: I don't know. I, I just I don't know. The human element is so much of the game. I, I just that's really feeling like it a the worst parts of the game though. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? Then the next thing is like we're gonna have robot players, and then we just be, you know, <laughs> I don't know we'll ever have robot players. <laughs> you know, players. just be you know what was that uh, the movie where the guy was that it was the punching robots and stuff like that. Oh, that the Hugh it, Jackman one. Hugh oh, Jackman yeah. movie. Um, is that um, the next thing is that we're gonna have guys that you know? <laughs> To, yeah. It'll be good for us out of shape guys on the sidelines, I suppose. But Well, I, s-
2: I think that there's a good compromise here. And you know, we're talking about the strike zone because the the other controversial thing is the Alex Kierloff at bat in extras. Yes. Where, oh, where we'll, some get that, yeah. and we'll get to that, Will. We'll get to that. But to talk about the automated strike zone or automated umps is, I guess, what we were talking about. I, I think that the compromise is having everything reviewable, as we've mentioned including a couple balls and strike calls like they're doing in the minors right now. Oh, uh, they are doing the minors. Yep. I, I don't okay. remember which league. The Cubs are in whatever league it is. The uh-huh. Cubs are uh, a AAA team. Uh, and they have three. You can do it three times in a game. And basically the way they do it is only the batter, the catcher, or the pitcher can call for a, a review of if that was a ball or a strike. Mm-hmm. And they have to do it, like, immediately. And then everybody, including the umps, turns and watches it on the big screen. And it shows it for everybody to see. Interesting. That's
1: fun. I think.
2: I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's a good compromise because I, you need the people there to maintain order, but we need to be taking these judgment calls out of their
1: that's hands. That's also what yeah, what other sports have got on baseball, and why they're so successful is you know there's somewhat of a the theater element to mm-hmm. you know referees and making the calls. Ever since I thought this was a good thing that the MLB did was making the umpires public or you know publicly make a call. Over the mic and into the camera, mm-hmm. you know what I, I mean. Now that they're that, like, that seems
0: like a little bit much to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old school. I, I, here's the joke I've made before: I one time refed a seventh grade girls' basketball game. Mm-hmm. Mm. If I called every foul, I'd still be umping, refing that game <laughs> 15 <laughs> years later. Yeah. Okay, you you, you know, and, and basketball's the king of judgment calls for a ref. Yes, mm. and I, I would say that well, in football is too, I suppose in a lot of ways, but I, I feel like baseball. Like we were talking earlier, if, if, the, if, a, if the ball's outside, let's say, the width of a baseball, okay, mm-hmm. so an inch, let's say, but the ump is calling that, and it's consistent throughout the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the one that was always the thing was like, which ball is high and which one is, the, is in the strike zone? That was always the pitch. It's like different umps looked at it a little bit differently, and for years it seemed like that ball was, they were calling the ball ones that were balls that should have been strikes for years, and now that seems to have evened out a little bit but I don't know. I don't have a problem with a bigger strike zone. I don't have a problem with a tighter strike zone. I just don't. I just want to be consistent. And those ones to Kirilov were ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and it, honestly, let's let's get a conversation going here. KFGO Text Club 35270 or the studio line 701-237-5948. Would you like to see Roboto here in the next few years? What's your opinion on that? And l- let's now dive into the the Kirloff at that in the 10th inning. <laughs> I pulled the Umpire scorecard for Phil Cuzzy who was behind the plate uh, that night. And you can actually find there's a really nice Twitter uh, following on Twitter for at um, Umpire scorecards. And they give one to every single home plate umpire after every single MLB game. It's a really good follow Really? Follow-up.
0: Is that a computer-generated thing or something it's like that? It's based on yep. the, the computer strike zone. Okay. I'm and telling so,
1: you, we're going to have robot players. The way a- <laughs> we're going with this. Here's the thing. Phil Cuzzy, as much as he missed those pitches, his overall accuracy on Monday – was ninety-four percent, which is which is you know a good number to be as an umpire. But here's the thing the three pitches that he missed for the most part were the three pitches or the two pitches to Kirloff, which Mm -hmm. took his basically took the bat out of his hands. And you know, it's you know, he made ninety eight percent of, you know, called ball accuracy. And the funny thing is it added up to plus one point three nine runs for Los Angeles, yeah. which was the game.
2: Yeah, expected runs, and, yep. and so the what basically to translate that into lay terms, we should have been expected to win that game, even with the double that was not a double. Yeah, even with Duran throwing a curveball to J.D. Martinez instead of blowing him with a with a fastball. Even with all of that, even with not scoring in the ninth or the top of the tenth inning, or, or was in Carol 12th. off of the tenth? Tenth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Top well, of the tenth. So, so never mind. But, but at that point, though, we should have been able to take the lead, and we should have been able to win the game. And it's it's unfortunate that we lost a series in, in Los Angeles that we probably should have won.
0: Yeah. I don't know. There's a, a famous, uh, well, famous a, a scene in Ted Williams's book. Is it My Life in Baseball? I forgot what the title is. i read it years ago. It's great. By the way, any book by Ted Williams you need to read, they're, they're all good. I've read like three of them. Um, he tells a story that he always felt that he could tell uh, a ball within a half inch of where it was thrown. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a half inch outside the strike zone. He could tell. And he always believed that the umps could tell within an inch of where it was. Mm. And he says there was, a, there was a time when he was in a, he was uh, in a game and the guy threw a a ball and it was about an inch or so outside and the umpire calls strike Mm -hmm. and Ted Williams doesn't turn back and look at him like the players do. Now now the players like look at him like you're an idiot kind of look. He just, he keeps facing forward towards the pitcher and he says, darn it, Doug, that was a ball (laughs) or something. I don't know what the, what the ump's name was, but he, he tells him that he says it out loud so he can hear it, but doesn't say anything beyond that. Right. Um, he says he gets to the off season, and there, there's some fundraising event, and the guy comes up and he goes, "You know that pitch that you said was a ball?" He goes, "I didn't see it. I happened to blink when it came across the plate, so I didn't see it." Oh wow! Jeez. You know, and and that's a that's a big you know, it's like the the guy that took the uh, no hitter away from uh, was it the Cubs pitcher a couple uh, years ago?
2: Uh, it was. Uh, oh, oh, are you talking about Jim Joyce? Yeah, yeah, Jim Joyce yeah. in two thousand eleven. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Um he he knew well, he had video evidence that he screwed it up, but he came up and yeah. he apologized to the point. Didn't he apologize to him right after the game? He he was crying in the post game yeah. saying I took a perfect game away yeah. from that young Jim
1: man. Jim Joyce was an amazing umpire, but the yeah. only thing he's gonna remember for is that missed call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know, some of that makes me sad. You know, Billy Buckner, who is a great player, mm-hmm. is remembered for one play, which is very unfair. Mm-hmm. Um you know that's sort of the sort of the deal and then there's people like reggie jackson memorized for, <laughs> for three home runs in the 77 world series so um i don't know i i i totally get where you guys are coming from i don't know i don't want to i don't want i don't want to take the human element out of it's kind of where i
1: stand yeah well uh we'll be talking we'll be talking some awesome uh our favorite obscure twins players when we come back from the break something to be uh Interesting. to we'll start thinking about your obscure twins player. We're going to bring up a few. Um, this is the Couch Potato Radio Home Run Porch on the ninety-seven ninety and one hundred four point seven KFGO. It's a little of both. They say our ball This is the Home Run Porch during Couch Potato Radio on the 9790 and 104.7 KFGO. I'm Madison Quinn along with Kevin Kennedy and Will Thompson. We got some action coming in the text club. Uh, Number one, Harmon Killebrew died on today's date in 2011. Twins legend there. Um, I
0: have a great picture of me and Harmon Killebrew at the Twins' luncheon. I think it used to be called 1984. Okay. And I don't know where that picture is, but it's me and Harmon Killebrew, and it's a fantastic picture. You know, he was probably in his 50s or something at that point. Yeah. But
1: Another another text. Another text in I know Will's gonna want to crack at this one. <laughs> Not in favor of robot strike zone. Baseball has to keep the human element. Not a fan of replay at all, unless the twins win the replay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the, the Homer aspect of that, but I, I just I feel like you want the calls to, I personally I want the calls to be right, whether it goes for my team or it goes against them. I I just I don't know, maybe call me a a booby a, a boo me <laughs> for being a stickler for the rules, but I, I just prefer to get the calls right.
0: Yeah, I I I What totally about you, guess. Kev? I don't know. I, I just I hate taking the human element out of it. I really do. I, I'm I I'm as a fan, remember it was just a few years ago they put the strike zone. Yeah. They, they do they would yeah. do it one inning a game. Remember, it was like the seventh year or sixth inning usually. Yeah. And then it really became every inning. I mean, I remember I used to see them and go, Wow, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'd have to make a judgment call earlier than that. And then it became every inning. I was like, okay, now I'm so used to it. If they took it away, it would be weird.
2: Well, and now they have to denunciate the the pitches better or demarcate the pitches better if it's a ball or a strike because that, that box is not correct for it's everybody. not official yeah. yeah it's just it's just a reference point but when you see it be a solid dot compared to a circle that's got a, a not solid dot mm-hmm. the solid dot means it's a strike according mm-hmm. to the robot ump and the circle means it's not a strike according to the robot ump no matter where it hits on that mm-hmm. that box that you see there yeah
1: and so before it was the zone do you remember fox sports north days it would called fox track yeah and yeah. so fox it track, wouldn't yeah. be live but right after the pitch you would you know see where the pitch was going yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was the development you know of that technology. I think it's insane how they can do that. Now. Well, and oh, God,
0: theoretically, yeah. it's anywhere within that. What's well, not a cone, but it's that. It's the shape of home plate. If the pitch touches any piece of that, yep. That's considered a strike. Which is so, what the robot arms yeah. do. Yeah. If it even hits,
2: just like a, a seam at the back of it, yeah. or, or at the front of it, or something. Yeah. That's a strike. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We're gonna talk our favorite obscure Twins players. It Here's some rules. Here's no, some rules. Non-famous players. Non-famous. No Big Jamowers. James. No Justin Morneau. No, no Harmon Kill Cruz. No, you know Kirby yeah. Puckett. If they're uh, in the Twins Hall f-
0: of
2: Fame. Yeah. Not them. Not Good. the Good Ring of Honor guys. So.
1: We're going to start with Will. Will, who is your first obscure twin?
2: So, when I was given this prompt, I thought about how I've always been a fan of the last person on the roster. Um, oh, wh- whoever they are, I just always like to root for them because they're always fighting for their job. Yep. Um, so yeah. I've picked someone who is a two-time World Series champion. I don't know if Twins know. Uh, and he <laughs> he had his best years. They weren't with the Twins. We'll say that. No, yeah. but he did have his best years with the Twins. And oh, my okay. player is Erie Adrianza. Um, and if you go to his baseball reference page, they call him a shortstop slash pinch hitter. So mm-hmm. that'll really tell you about what his role on the team is. What years was he with the twins? He probably I, played I remember every position
1: for the Twins though. I mean not every position, but he was outfield too a couple of games, I remember.
2: Uh, uh he played with the twins from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty. He played uh, let's see here, uh three or excuse me, four hundred and eight games okay. with the twins. Or excuse me, three hundred and eleven. So my ability to read charts is off right now (laughs) he played a lot of positions for the twins he played third he played short he played first he played second he played outfield he even dh'd a couple games so he was truly a
0: utility do you have a play that i was gonna say do you have a moment do you remember that that...
2: it's not a it's not a specific moment but it is a a stretch of time from 2019 to 2020 which was the best stretch of his career for a Mm. while and um, that would so have been
0: the Bomba squad. It would have been the Bomba yeah, squad. And yeah. so
2: I remember early on the season for the Bomba squad, when we were starting to heat up a little bit, I was thinking, hmm, well, Erie probably only has a couple of days left on the team. You know, we're going to get these back. I forget who it was, yeah. but someone's coming back from injury. He's probably going to be the one that's gone, mm-hmm. but somebody else got injured and he stuck around for a little bit. And that just kept happening and it kept happening. And because he was always on the cusp, he had his best season of his career. In 2019, he hit 272 for a 349 on base. Uh, 416 slugging Uh, he was better than league average as a hitter Hmm. in in 100 uh, or excuse me in 83 games
0: kill for a 272 hitter right now yeah yeah
2: now poor rice
0: he's in miami (laughs) i'm
2: not even talking about that
0: anybody on the team
2: adrianza is no longer that guy this year uh with the braves uh he has only uh, played a couple games 10 at bats uh he only has a hit it looks like. Or no 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 hits, a couple walks.
1: Every time I get sad about reading my line if I was Adrianza, I just open up my world series ring. Uh, yes. Ring oh. <laughs> All right, that's why.
2: Yep. I'll put that back there. So that's that's my guy and he's been like the most recent uh kind of role player that I've really uh fallen in love with, but uh I was I was a huge fan of him with the Twins.
0: Okay, so we talked about mine and you were talking about how you had a bit you were a big fan of his too. I was a huge Nick Punto fan. I, I still am. He doesn't play anymore. Um, Nick Punto made the greatest fielding play I've ever seen in Major League Baseball. And he was, you know, he, 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 he could play anywhere in the infield, but his, his usual place was second base or third when he was filling in. But he was, he was a good short, uh, shortstop when he played shortstop also. Um, there was a play where he was playing second base, and the ball did a weird hop, and he was going to have to catch it mid-hop. He, if he waited for it to come to him, it was because the ball was coming coming sort and was choppy. Mm-hmm. And if he waited for it to come to him, the guy would be safe. It was some speedster. I don't even remember who hit the ball. So he had to charge it, but he wasn't going to charge enough to get it off, off the, the turf. Mm. So he caught the ball. He dove. He caught the ball in a weird hop, mid, mid-hop, like before it had reached its peak. He caught the ball mid-hop, and and he did a two-hander. So he caught the, uh, clapped the hand down. So he's he's mid-air. Okay, he's laid out flat like a wide receiver, and he pulls the ball out before he hits the ground and does a flick of the wrist and throws it dead onto the first baseman, and they get the guy by a step. Oh wow! And then he smashes it in the ground. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I think the biggest biggest compliment that Punto ever got was from CC Sabathia. I don't remember if he was pitching for.
1: Cleveland he must, he it was,
0: it was. I think he was still with Cleveland, but he might have been with the Yankees at this point. Um, they were playing them, and he said they were talking about that play, or they are talking about him as a fielder, and he said, if I were the coach or the manager, I'd put him in and just leave him in. I don't care if he ever gets a hit <laughs> because he is taking runs away from or hits away from other players, and I've always felt that way about Punta. He was so fun to watch. You know, he wasn't a great hitter.
2: No, I think know? he had a career like 55 OPS, which is like half <laughs> of the average. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it
0: was something ridiculously low. And, he, and you know, he, he did get a decent contract, I think, with the Phillies. You no, know, he started with the Phillies and it might have been the Angels, whatever. He moved around a little bit. But he was one of those guys that just – it was fun to watch in the field because you, you wanted the ball to go to him, and you wanted to go to him in a bad way to see what he could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes these guys that are wizards at shortstop, you know, it's really just about their arm and their speed. He was not – him, it was just – he could get to balls that other guys just couldn't get to.
1: More techs so. coming in. The KTO Tex Club 35270. I saw Punto with two web gems in the same game yeah. last season in the Metrodome. He was playing third base. Yeah.
0: He was I a mean, web gem you machine. Him, you
1: could put him anywhere, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he could eat innings up at all different positions. I
0: saw him a couple times playing in the outfield and make good plays.
1: Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He was – uh he, he he. I'm, I think you love him because he's like a ride.
0: Yes, he's as good a fielder as a ride. <laughs> not
1: not I, a hitter, just, but field, yeah. You know, I mean, he he fits that kind of just, that the kind of you know.
0: He's the, he's the guy that that got stuff out of his ability that was beyond what most guys would would get out of their ability. You know, I always put Pete Rose in that category. Pete Rose was not a naturally great athlete. I mean, he's fast, but yeah, you know, he just willed himself to be a good player.
1: Yeah. Well, mine, all right, okay, ready? Let's hear this. Jason Kubel.
0: Oh, yes. You remember Jason Kubel? I do. He hit the first home run at Target uh, that Field. That was one
1: of my first things I brought yeah. up. Yep, first. So if you ever are want are at a, you know, a bar and they're having twins trivia, I guarantee this question will be on there. So remember, Jason Kubel did hit the first home first run home. at Target Field.
0: Which they got back from the fan so they could put it into the t- – they had to give the fan – it was funny because the fan didn't want a Jason Kubel autograph. He wanted a Joe Maurer autograph, and I think they gave him a Joe Maurer bat. I, I remember that at the game. They're
1: like, so you don't want anything <laughs> goes, from Jason Kubel? Like, he's no, like, no, 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 no,
0: Okay. If I can get uh, this, you know. How's
1: Joe doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, some interesting stats about Jason Kubel. Um, kind of, he did get MVP votes one year in 2009, all right? He was twenty fourth in MVP vo- votes, which you know he made the list. Yeah. Any guess on who number one was? What year was this? Two
0: thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Oh, that was uh, that was Maurer's year. That's right. Yeah. Joe Maurer. What? Um. How many lifetime home runs in your little thing that is Kubel have?
1: Yeah. So Kubel lifetime he has. Home runs, you said? Yeah, home
0: runs. I'm just he, curious because he was brought into the league. He was drafted as a home run hitter. Yep. And they always. I don't think he ever lived up to that potential that they expected. No,
1: he up. didn't. So lifetime and career stats, he has 140 home runs.
0: 140? And how many years did he play on there? He, he was,
1: played with Minnesota from 2004 until 2011 and then continued with a couple other teams until 2014. Okay. He never hit more home runs um, ever than – 2012 with arizona so we traded him in 2011 right he goes to arizona i think it's kind of a midway trade deadline kind of thing um and then they you know no it wasn't but he had 30 home runs with arizona so the twins made the trade it looked like it was good for arizona because the guy smacked 30 home runs and 90 rbis his best season as a twin though was the 2009 he went he had uh 28 home runs with 103 RBIs, and his OPS was 907. 907. So he was he was pretty successful, and uh, also a big moment of him May 16, 2010. He hit a grand slam off of Mariona Rivera at Yankee Stadium.
0: You listen to the Home Run Porch on Couch Potato Radio. When we come back, Madison's going to give us some distressing news on the IR report. Uh, I also. We'll talk about some of my favorite players from the old days of the Twins. You are listening to KFGO 790 AM.
1: on Couch Potato Radio, entering our last segment here. I'm going to get you updated on some really rough injury day for the Twins. Um, but before some text messages coming in, um, someone says, I had to Wikipedia uh, Jason Kubel. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a twin. He was a very successful twin. Also, yeah. another one coming in, Miss Brian Dozier, best second baseman the Twins ever had. Mm. Best second baseman ever? Yeah, I think. Yeah,
0: over Knoblock. Who else do we have? My favorite, Steve Lombardosi. You, you want to hear my me.
1: favorite uh, nickname? Chris Berman. You know, what? You know that Chris uh, Berman. Yes, yes, yes. His yes. his uh, nickname for Chuck was um, Chuck uh, New Kids New Kids on the Knoblock. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he made nicknames for. And I think that was his time at ESPN when he did ESPN. They did ESPN Baseball on some you know some nights.
0: I'll give you an obscure. Uh, he played second base, some second base from, for us. And this is a player that I really liked. And he played in the 70s for the Twins. His name was Rob Wilfong. And he, he ended up, Carew went to, the, uh, to, went to the Angels, I think in 79. It was like, like right around there. I think 77 was a 388 year. So I think it was 79 when he got traded or however that worked. And so on that 78 team, we had Rob Wilfong. And Rob Wilfong was not a great hitter, but he was an amazing bunner. He was a left-handed bunner. And huh. he would just in the middle of the game would bunt for – he'd do a drag bunt for a single. And he I, he always reminded me of Ron Washington. Ron Washington kind of mm. came to fame as as a manager for – he'd manage the Rangers. i Wash. Yeah, Wash. And he was the assistant on uh, all Billy Bean years at, at Oakland. And stuff. still well, like, funny. He's still, he's still managing – or assistant manager, or assistant coaching. Because
1: when Billy Bean was like – he was like to Chris – have heard He's like, "Hey, can you play it? We'll teach you how to f- play first base. It's really easy." And then he's like, "Right, wash." And Tell he's him like, wash. Tell him wash. <laughs> uh, it's really the hardest thing ever. It's
0: very, dif- it's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. It's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love that. Also, moment. yeah.
1: Oh, sorry, Will, but Will says Rod Carew question mark. Will texted me
0: saying Rod Carew is what?
1: The, I mean, this texter says Miss Brian Doe is your best second baseman the Twins ever had. That's true. Rod Carew started so.
0: out when when he came up in the '60s and Billy Martin was the manager he uh he was a second so. baseman he started as a second baseman i think it was cesar tovar was our first baseman yeah, could be back then yeah.
1: yeah lots of obscure twins that um that i feel like everyone has their own little niche of who they like to play okay
0: so this tells you how long it was so 1978 i was i was looking up some of my childhood teams that i really liked just the rosters yeah they the twins had a a um a a promotion that they did on tv for the twins, and they were promoting these young outfielders, and it was uh, Bombo Rivera, Hoskin Powell, and Willie Norwood. Now, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody under about thirty-five has ever heard of these players. But there used to be um, there used to be a guy that came with a sign out. This is at the old Twins stadium because I only think they played with the Twins for a couple of years. That had a sign that said "Hit it here, Hoskin," and I want to say it was on the second deck of left field. At the old Twin Stadium because there was no second deck at the right field, um, but I remember that. I remember Bombo Rivera, which is a it reminds me of Boof Bonser. There's another obscure one for him. My son liked him for a couple of years. Boof Bonser.
1: Okay, speaking of like obscure, like uh, you know, promos or commercials. Do you remember the 1999? I think it was Nike commercial with uh, Glavin and Maddox where chicks dig the long ball. Yes, do you remember that yeah, one yeah, where yeah. they're like, you know, they're seeing the hitters hit the long ball, and then they're they're you know looking at the bullpen, and no one is around the bullpen. Everyone's around, you know, the guys hitting the, and so yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. montage of them like lifting weights and trying to, yeah. yeah. That's when uh, that's when, uh, you know, uh, advertising is at its peak. Just like well played Maurer, just yes. like head and shoulders Mauer. I mean that that was that was really stuff, and it, I think it was fun seeing a Minnesota born. You know, kid getting the recognition on those ad campaigns. And, like, he had a couple, you know, ESPN, those little shorts that they do about it. You know, he was the head and shoulders guy for a little bit. Uh-huh. But, well, let's roll into some bad news um, okay. a little bit here on the injury in the injury bug. Um, I don't even want to say it's a bug. It's just been bad luck today all of these things happen. So, if you were watching the game this afternoon or listening on our sister station, 740 The Fan – uh, Nick Gordon in the eighth inning uh, took a uh, baseball, a foul ball right off the shin. Um, he stayed in the game and finished his at-bat, but it looks like a stint on the aisles coming for Nick Gordon. A fractured shin is the official report for Nick Gordon. So he's crazy. It, it was insane that he took it off the shin, went down to the ground, he was assessed, didn't take him out. Said, okay, you know the count was three, two. Swung out of his shoes and into a, like a little bit of a limp, yeah. and so apparently he Gallo's fractured looked worse. Shoe. Gallo, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there here's the oh. next piece of new Joey Gallo X-ray. His X-ray was clean, um, but there is a contusion there. So maybe we'll see um, what uh, what the trainer say and Rocco says at the at the post game here once we. Uh, get off the air and give you an update there, contusion there. Jorge Polanco also had a mild left hamstring strain. I don't think that's pretty big news, maybe a day or two off. I think he should be okay and back, too. So a little bit of injuries happening here for the Twins. Um, Some better news I'll give you, Kevin. (laughs) Um, You ever – you remember the the guy by the name of Royce Lewis?
0: Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Came back, had a great uh, great uh, opening, first game, first Major League game. Yep,
1: great couple games. He is you know, one of our top prospects last year. Unfortunately, he was playing in the outfield one game towards ACL. Long road back recovery. Um, But he has now made a couple rehab assignments, uh, two with uh, Wichita and now one with uh, St. Paul. And here's... here's Wichita, is
0: that our double A? Yeah. Okay.
1: And so here's our... Here's a crazy crazy stat line for you. Yes, we know it's minor league baseball, but these you know, he's coming off a major ACL injury. So he has 11 at bats total. He has one home run, 5 RBIs and 3 stolen bases with batting 4.55. So move over Miranda. You ain't going to be I don't I think mm-hmm. we're going to see I if I was a clairvoyant, I would say you would see Royce Lewis playing third base. A good portion, if they ramp him up. Correctly. I do eleven at
0: bats were ready to put him in the Hall of Fame. Just, yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not saying Hall of Fame. I'm saying we need someone at third base, and Kyle yeah, Farmer has been good right there, right now. Um, but you know, we need. Uh, I I hope Miranda turns things around. I, I hope. I I, I I really. I know we know from last year he can get to that level oh yeah you know so I don't know the thing is they've played Royce Lewis a little bit at shortstop in the minor league games a little bit at third base um so it's like they seem to be open to the idea of playing him at third base obviously Correa is gonna play shortstop until couple years when maybe they move him over to third base in the last years of his contract, but shortstop isn't an issue right now. Um, So third base is kind of the only opening.
0: Here's that. We should probably talk about this tomorrow, but I'm wondering if Correa should be moved down in the order. I mean, we're not going to pull him. I get that, but he's batting 204. I, I just,
1: here's the thing. He, I feel like it's just PTSD when he goes to Dodger stadium because I have never heard booze so loud. Yeah, it's And I mean, let's be honest. It happened. You know, 2017 Astros happened. But at some point, we you got to move on. You know what I mean? He's getting booed like that everywhere. Yeah, that's true. I should. It's just, he is getting booed at away games everywhere. Dodgers. I mean, they had to almost like turn down the mics of the crowd <laughs> in, in, during the TV broadcast. Um, but also another text coming in. <laughs> Another text coming in here. Uh, uh we're talking about uh, maybe uh, uh Royce Lewis playing third and a text coming in saying, Does that mean Buxton will play in center? Um no, I don't think so. I, I we, we might not see. Derek Buxton and I talked about this a couple of days ago. I think center. they
0: might be getting to the point where Buxton is just our permanent DH. That yeah. they that they just figure we've got the fielding and we're just going to keep him out there because keep him out of the thing because we can't risk him injuring himself. I mean I don't know what he's batting right now. He's, he's, his average's gone up a little bit. He had a home run today. Yeah. Um and obviously that's one of the reasons we have him. Uh but we also bought him. we also brought him along for that glove in center field but you know. I
1: I was talking to a friend the other day too. Um how much Buxton's batting stance has changed since he got into the league? Um if you look back and there's some good comparative videos. Um, at the beginning of the league, at the be- when he came into the league, he was a contact hitter. All right. He's putting the, the yeah. ball on the ground. He's going to beat out whatever ground ball is in there. All right. And so, but now that stance is merely for power. He's hitting a home run to double. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. So. Well, not- I
0: don't know comparatively how his strikeouts have gone up and stuff like that. So.
1: I mean, everyone's striking out these days, though. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's really become either strikeout or. Get a hit. It's 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 weird to me. Yeah. And it's become a hitter. Well, they wanted to be hitter. No one on the hit is twi- twins is hitting though the way we'd like. So. Yeah.
1: Okay, so a big uh big thing coming tomorrow during our regularly scheduled couch potato radio. A reveal of this week's pick the stick. All right.
0: Madison did a mid week midweek replacement for me, and I'm very thankful. So for that.
1: here's the rules what we did um since You're very lucky. I want to say that, Kevin. You're very lucky. So I know. So since we picked, you picked last week. You picked Kepler. Yep. All right. Kepler gets hurt. All right. And so he is recalled for Larnick. So we just gave Kevin Larnick for the week. All right. And that was lucky because he's hit two home runs. Very lucky. So we'll have the finals, the final tally of pick the stick tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, tallied up for you guys. See if the listeners had Gallo, and I think they might be they might be pleasantly surprised with what what Gallo has given them. So st- stay tuned tomorrow night, six p.m. to seven p.m. Couch Potato Radio, the Home Run Porch. We're taking over. Um, we'll no, talk.
0: Yeah, no Twins game tomorrow. No
1: Twins game tomorrow. We'll be talking uh, some different topics tomorrow, including the pick the pick the stick. I'm hoping to get an interview set up for tomorrow. We might have someone in studio. Um, I'm hoping from the Fargo Davies baseball team. So we'll see if I can pull that. We'll get some local talent in here and see if he can uh, talk about some fun topics with us. Madison Quinn, Kevin Kennedy, Will Thompson.